Hi, everybody. Welcome to Inland Valley Poets and Punk Rockers Talk About Inland Valley Art. And uh, we've got uh, several poets and one punk rocker today. And we're, we're going to just talk about some art and uh, one specific piece that is an upland. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's an upland just north of the downtown section. It's a panda, sort of, you can see just above the panda's nose, and it's got galaxies at its eyes. And Mark Gibbons tells me it's kind of manga. I'm not very familiar with manga stuff. And the panda is asking the question, can we come out now? Um, I think we should start by introducing ourselves. I'm John Branningham. I teach at Mount Sac, and I am a local poet and writer. Uh, Maybe we'll go around the horn. Mark. Hi, I'm Mark Gibbons. I'm a publisher. I live in Upland. Um, and I, I'm a punk rocker. Sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> i Kate. Uh, hi, I'm a, I'm Kate Flannery. I'm not a punk rocker. I'm a, a writer and a, a lawyer living in Claremont. And Matt. For sure, Kate was a punk rocker. Uh, I'm Matt Cedillo. Uh, I'm the literary director of the Dogs of the Arts. And Ken. I'm Kendall Johnson. I'm a writer and artist in Upland. Okay, so we, we, we just, uh, as we were thinking about starting the, the, the episode today, we're talking a little bit about the, the panda, and Kate asked the question, why a panda? Um, and uh, I don't know, what, what, what do you all think? Why, why the panda? You had something interesting to say about uh, manga, which I know nothing about, Mark. I don't know very much about it either. My, my daughter uh, watches a lot of uh, anime, and uh, the, I, I, my comment was just that it's a very non-threatening uh, piece, very non-threatening animal, and uh, it is asking if we're able to come out, and you put forth the idea that it was uh, perhaps protest, and I, I'm curious about that. What do, you, what do you think about that? It is graffiti, correct? It's definitely graffiti, yeah. Um, I think it's probably sanctioned graffiti, yeah, but, okay. they, they, you know, um, so it's, I think it's curated. It's uh, in that, that area. It's simply because it's been up now for a little while, and they, they haven't taken it down. I don't know if it's a question of, like, um, I, if the person's saying, I don't think it's fair that we're, we, we're stuck here. In that case, it's, it's kind of a protest, something or other. But I don't know that it is. I think it's just the question that we're all asking at this point, it's like, when can we come out? When can we see our friends? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that I, uh, I, I live with somebody, but I keep thinking about my friends who, who don't, like haven't seen anybody or touched anybody for several months now. Uh, and um, I'm glad that I, I live with my wife. That, that's really lucky. Uh, but it, otherwise it would be very, very difficult. And it's the kind of questions on our, on our lips. Um, but there's also a lot of people who are violently opposed to staying inside right now and see it as a overreach of the state. Um, I don't know that the, the Venn diagram of humans, though, has somebody who is finally opposed to this also does graffiti art. I, I, I'm not sure if those two things intersect or not. Uh, what, what do you think? Did you see this as, as uh, protest art? I think, well, because graffiti has an interest, graffiti and murals have an interesting history in, uh, in capturing uh, capturing the immediate, right? So, so this does definitely capture something that is, like you said, on our minds, on our lips. And, and graffiti historically has captured things that are very, very immediate and, you know, and, and used in that way. Um, 
can we come out is a is a really it, it expresses our fears it expresses our our anxiety um i'm curious to hear what um other people you said this is in upland right this is uh, yeah this, this is, is right upland. right north of downtown on an antique store it's named the antique store i'm forgetting kind of near molly super and the library and all of those okay. places okay. i uh, think i saw was it in the um the daily bulletin was there a picture of it in the was it i think I, so it was, it, it was okay yeah yeah the, the one thing that strikes me is that this this seems like it would be the sort of thing that would come up in a small town or a small city. I can't. It's hard for me to imagine a, a cute, frightened little panda in the depths of Los Angeles. I mean, it doesn't seem to quite fit. Um, and and maybe that's just because I've got too many preconceptions about small towns and, and big cities. But. Um, the fact that it's in Upland, north of the downtown area, which is composed completely of small businesses who are hurting like crazy, and and the people they support are hurting like crazy, and and so there's a um, kind of sadness about that whole idea that that things are being lost. I mean, um, and and we're all just hunkering down, and there doesn't seem to be too much we can do about it except yell at each other. I suppose. Or sneak out and create a mural, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm all for it. You know, yeah. I, I, I have had people over to my house. We've all been um, very careful and I've seen family members that I don't live with. And, and we've again been very, very careful. But what strikes me about all of this is we each have these different risk tolerances that, that, and, and um, it's, it's sort of surprising the, the people who, um, who want to wear the masks? Um, I think everybody ought to wear the masks. Are shocked, shocked. <laughs> Some people don't want to wear the masks, and um, we're all in such different situations. It strikes me that it's, it's, you know, it's an impossible situation to kind of corral and manage. I don't care how good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. that interesting too you're talking about small town and i guess i guess upland does i mean it's technically a small town but it does conceive of itself as kind of a its own its own social environment distinct from los angeles in a way that a lot of other cities don't in the area like, I, I don't see like ontario's being it's that, no it's that county line thing you know the difference between the west end of san bernardino county and the east end of los angeles county that's a real dividing line oh that's interesting yeah, uh, created by by the street Benson, which when you cross it, you can hear it in your car every single time. It's a yeah. thud. Because yeah. uh, well, maybe I'm just driving too fast. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine you driving fast. Ken, you were starting to say something there. Um, <clears throat> I probably had gas. <laughs> um, but I have a couple thoughts about it. I personally, you know, as an artist, I just don't like that style. It's uh -huh. just a personal thing. And I, I remember when a, a very good fabric artist that had, you know, puts a lot of thought in her stuff, kind of shifted and, and went from abstract to having these little cartoony things on on her stuff. And I, I just felt it was a fall, you know, and that's just me. Um so I'm 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 going in looking at this thing, kind of with a cynical eye. Having said that, 
the people who tend to go for manga art tend not to be wild-eyed, uh, overgrown junior high schoolers who can't wear a mask. They tend to be a more thoughtful bunch. And so I don't I don't identify that thing as being a I, I identify that as being kind of an expression of gee, why would you want to go out into society right now where there are a whole bunch of people who are wild eyed, beady eyed and just foaming at the mouth, wanting to to um, they're so angry, you know, they're angry about about being locked up. They're angry about, maybe they're angry about depersonalization in the first part of the 21st century, but, but they take it out on things, old, old memes like government. So I look at it and it's kind of a confusing piece. You know, I share, I share the confusion I've heard so far about its meaning, but there's one aspect of that thing that, that really fires me up. And that is the eyes. Because here's this silly little two-dimensional panda who's got eyes for the entire universe. It Mm -hmm. reminds me of back to my old favorite Van Gogh and his Starry Night. Um, you You can look at the little panda's eyes and you see this cosmic order playing out. And it's, it's, it's quite a visionary thing. And so I, that part of that thing I really, really like because I don't, I, I, you know, there's just things about Van Gogh in particular about the transition into and through the 20th century that's about a series of revelations about ourselves and about the universe that, that we're still trying to digest. And so I've really, I enjoy that part about that piece of art. It's interesting. Okay, so we're talking about the transition into the 20th century. Now, of course, we're transitioning into True. the 21st century. Yeah. Um, right, and we're getting a whole different set of revelations. Yeah, from about 1880 to about 2020. Uh-huh. And, it's, and it's this wild time where so much was revealed about the highs and lows of human experience and the, the, what little we knew about the universe compared to what we know now and what we've done with it. You're talking about physics. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There's been some developments in philosophy and theology, um, but not much. And there's been huge developments in all of the sciences. Well, I think that the philosophies uh, have shifted to things like sociology and Emile Durkheim mm-hmm. and um, science and something like Einstein, right? who is part philosopher, part scientist. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Now I'm just kind of talking out of my, my ass, but uh, uh, I'm good at it. Um, <laughs> not many people have that much white hair around their butts, you know. You're doing real well. <laughs> uh, okay. So I would say that, that you're pretty well grounded in what you're saying. Uh-huh. Um, and I, that's a better discussion to have later, but but as for that particular art piece, I like the juxtaposition of the oversimplified two-dimensionality of it on the one hand with that incredible cosmic vision in the eyes. Hmm. That's what I like. I, I saw both Mark and Matt starting to speak there. 
for a minute. May, may, Matt, I'll let you, let you say. Oh, you, know, I, I, you know, it's kind of, it's, 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 I mean, I mean my, my first response to like the whole manga thing is, it reminds me, it's, 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 I don't know, I'm, I'm not that, that big a fan or, or, or I'm not, not particularly, I hate it, but it, it's all, it always look odd to me. Like, you know, there's these, these like, um, it reminds me of, like, uh, the old Toys, for just, you know, I guess it's just my age. I mean, it reminds me of, like, the Toys R Us commercials, like, always be a Toys R Us kid. And so, you, like, you have, like, these, like, uh, shows about people who are, like, you know, in their 30s and 40s or whatever, and they're, like, drawn, like, this really weird, cartoony, childish, almost like that, like, kind of, almost like childlike features, but they're, like, adults, and, and, and that, that's always, like, odd to me. But anyways, but, um, but yeah, so so the thing I'm, I'm thinking about politically, though, like, I would have to, like, to know whether or not that was a political statement or just a general statement of human anxiety yeah, i'd have to know if it was commissioned by the city then i have to look at the demographics of the city then i would have to look at um you know like what were the voting patterns of the city to really make an assessment like that right so um that's information i don't like currently have about upland um but i don't i don't feel like this is like a political protest i don't feel like this is like a uh you know a fill in the blank 2020 type um and if, it seems much more like because that'd be a weird combination, right? That'd be a very weird combination. Pair manga, manga with to pair manga with manga, right? It seems like a very that'd be an odd, odd bedfellow. So I, I think that it's just I think that it's just a, a general statement of anxiety about the situation, especially with the panda and the ice. Here's a question I really have though: is like, why have pandas? Uh, why are pandas seen as uh, as, as non-threatening, safe, cute, something you can pet? Uh, John, you're the, you're, you're the, the, the expert here. We'll, I mean, what would a, is it a, is it wise to pet a panda? Hey, you wouldn't want to pet them. They're they're not uh, particularly uh, aggressive, but you don't, wouldn't want to get close to them because they're you know an 800 pound animal. But they uh, they they're they're too large to um, uh, be able to to be much of a meat eater, um, and so they they eat mostly at bamboo, um, and uh, kind of kind of sedentary and do a lot of sleeping. Um, and so it's not like a Kodiak or a polar bear uh, where the, and the difference between the, those, those bears is they're so far north that food, food is scarce. And so they really have to, the polar bear has to hunt seals and other things. Um, and, and the Kodiak does too, right? Cause it's, it's, it'll be in snow, it'll be in forest, but it's not a nutrient rich forest. So it's, it's going after small animals and large animals, but that's a huge, huge bear. That's a, that's the, that's the biggest bear, the Kodiak grizzly. Um, whereas the panda is in a um, nutrient-rich area and just can kind of sit back and uh, bamboo grows, what, uh, a foot a day, some some crazy rate like that. And just kind of just the food comes all around it all the time. So it's just kind of sitting back and eating and having sex rarely, um, which is a, a problem with pandas. Is they, they don't have enough. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not sexual enough. Um, so... We're gonna have to pipe in some Marvin Gaye or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, wow. One last question before 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 I take everything to so koalas though koalas are very vicious, right? Well, no, koalas are not vicious at all. You can but you can pet, you can pet them. You can grab them. I, I've I've seen. I I wouldn't do this just because I don't do this to any animal. But you, apparently, you can just kind of pick them up and hold them and pet them, and like they're 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 perfectly fine uh, with that, uh, which is. Uh, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that anybody does that, uh, but uh, I've, I've seen Australians do that in news clips. I've never not been around, but they're not. They're not a true bear either. They're they're a marsupial. It's a different. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen Australians try to hug a stingray. <laughs> yeah, that worked out. 
<laughs> don't don't hug a stingray. That, that's a that's a mistake. Uh, it's one one of the three classic blunders. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So th- that, that's you pose a good question. Why a panda? Why I don't know what. Um, well, I I think that um, I think that uh, we as observers and art critics. Um, yeah can get caught up in, in like, what is the artist trying to, is the artist trying to represent something with the panda? What are the political views? What are, what are, what is all this other information that we don't have? Um, I wrote an article a while back called observational art and uh, observational analysis. Um, And it was about, it was about looking at how do you judge art? Um, It was inspired by this, by the movie, uh, my five-year-old could do that. If you're familiar with that, it was about this um, uh, this young five-year-old girl who was doing these abstract paintings, and then they were hanging them in galleries, and they were like worth millions of dollars. And it was a five-year-old. And then they started to do these tests where they would, um, you know, people were upset when they found out it was a five-year-old. And then. Like there were there were tests with like uh, monkeys who who were painting and they would hang the paintings in the galleries and then people would critique them and then the, the they would make fun of the, the people who were critiquing the artwork and saying well what would you think if I told you that a monkey made this and they you know trying to embarrass them or something I'm not really sure um, but the uh, the end result is that there is not there's information that you can't get right? You just don't have that information. If all you're doing is looking at the artwork, you can't gather this information. Um, There was a fiber artist whose name was, um, she was mute and also uh, she couldn't communicate. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember her name? A brilliant fiber artist. Um, I want to say her name was Judy. So anyway, um, so that posed another question, which is that you can't ask the artist, right? Mm. <laughs> You'd like to find out more information and you simply cannot ask the artist what they were thinking because she can't express herself. So you have to come up with, you have to draw these. Up. Anyway, the idea that like we are looking at it and saying what, why, why a panda is interesting, but I think that it's, I think, and this is my assumption I think that it's more akin to something like um, Hamilton or some, some of the pop artists who are using the iconography of the time to express themselves and refashion things and, and repackage it and give it back to us and make us think about it. So why a panda? Because pandas are in popular culture and they're, very, they're a very popular image. So why are we using this? Why the stars in the eyes? Because they're stars in the eyes. It's looking at the universe because that's also a popular, um, we can call it meme if you want, but it's a it's it's iconography and and uh, and graphic symbols that are being used in today's artwork. Um, I don't know why a panda, but I think that one of the reasons that we see these images over and over again is because meme culture, which is just the modern term for, you know, using these using these uh, symbols again and again um that's not the only definition but that's that's the one i'm going with for now um 
is that we're that's that's what we're doing. We're recycling these ideas and these images and using them in different ways to express our anxieties, our fears, things that are on our mind, especially in a mural setting. Well, okay, so that brings up an interesting question, and that the question for me is: to what degree do you think art then is contextual? Right, you you have to have the people. There she is. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to have the context to understand the art. To, to what degree is that? I I don't know. Someone else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of these ongoing discussions. Yeah. You know, that some people say it's all contextual, and you can't understand it at all if you don't get the con the context and the the purpose and the social and economic factors and historical factors and all that. And other people say, that's bullshit. I know what I like. And, and on an intuitive level, it grabs me or it doesn't grab me. Um, and there's arguments that go both ways. It's one of those living issues. Um, I, I tend to be more in the conceptual camp, uh, the, the, excuse me, the contextual camp. And I sort of see things um, like, like if you, I can't see a person's artwork apart from their biography, for instance. Mm. I can't see their artwork apart from their writing or their artwork apart from the way they decorate their house or who they hang with and what what's on their mind um but that's just me you know so then like uh the, the poetry of ezra pound you you would find uh you know the fact that he hung with mussolini yeah. really changes the way that we, we understand i uh, have a tough time with ezra pound because of that and and i just it, there's something inauthentic mm-hmm. and maybe what's inauthentic is is my slicing and dicing of cultural factors but but I still feel that if 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 somebody writes about love and meaning and stuff like that, and they it turns out they have a fetish for killing small animals, <laughs> um, I I might just rule out their stuff as being decent just because I don't like them. But but I think that that there's some continuity. There's some inner continuity between the work and the life mm. that I don't think you can get beyond very far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Kate, I, I realized that I cut you off earlier. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just, I was thinking about a whole bunch of things, but I, 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 I was sort of jumping off from something Mark had said. And, and that was, um, I, I, when I first look at that and, and, asked the question why a panda my second question after that was is it a panda and and i i remember thinking you know could have been a guy who was trying to draw a cat and forgot that cats have pointed ears or 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 a raccoon and and got that wrong too Uh Um, or or you know it could be whoever painted it and it's hard to tell the quality of it um, without actually, you know, getting up and looking for things like brush strokes and and, yeah. and stuff like that. But um, and I guess that's part of the nature of cartoons. But um, it, it just occurred to me that we're all making this assumption that that's a panda, and 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 it might not be. 
might be something else. It might just be an imaginary figure or something like that. And, and um, I, I think we can make a mistake with art um, assuming that it is a thing, that it is one thing and not several things. Um, and, and that goes back to Ken's last comments, which was, you know, that's just me. Um, we each have a reaction to it. I looked at that, at that uh, panda and didn't think much of it. I, I didn't have a reaction to it. It was just kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I didn't respond to it. And mm -hmm. it, didn't, it, it didn't call to me. It didn't say anything to me except what was in the little balloon and it kind of come out yet. That said something. The word said something, but the art itself. Um, I, I was strangely reminded of, of Kilroy. Mm. Uh, you know, from from World War Two, I think it was. Yeah. You know, sort of nose peering over the over the edge of the table, but but that's about as far as I went with it. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it might have more impact on me because this is one of my. Uh, I, I walk every day in different places, and this is one of the places I walk. And one day it was there, and the next day, I'm sorry, one day it wasn't there, and the next day it was there, um, yeah. and it was after pre and post uh, lockdown, um, and so like that's like contextually for me it's like oh crap there's something and there's a whole series of paintings on that on that building um so okay so um the, the original question was do we like it and i don't think we've come to any consensus yet uh matt i wanted to say something though like you know this idea of like um can we know this or can we know that or or you know is it the is it the audience's responsibility to learn these things i mean the way i kind of do things the way you know taking it to something I'm more familiar with, which is myself, not this artist. Um, I, I write things in a way where there are like references that are commonly known or more commonly known and then ones less commonly known with the intention that people will look at the less commonly known ones and then look into them, right? So it's kind of this idea that I have like to do that. And I do it very systematically, right? And and the reason the reason for that is one, you know, I have this I have, a, I have an agenda outside of just making art, right? I have this kind of like political that I'm trying to turn to push, but I also, but also made that decision artistically, right? Whereas if I were to make nothing but obscure references, it would, it would be like whatever, right? And then if I were to do nothing but um, common references, what's the point of that? So like by having this this blended thing that I'm doing something that both I'm comfortable with, and I also feel as though works well with the audience that that, that I've built. But this idea that the audience is the audience's responsibility to understand me and to praise me for me doing the things the way I want to do them at all times um or not I mean whatever I, I can't think that way you know what I'm saying like as somebody who like has to sell books and has to like book colleges and or or, or has to go back to holding shirts and you know, selling shoes like I cannot think that way which does not mean I'm like a, a totally commercial artist either I mean it's just but like this idea of like having to find Having to, having to be intelligible while at the same time saying the things you want to say um, is a real it's a real it's a real struggle it's a real there's a real there's, there's something to be said about that it's a longer conversation about that because you cannot simply be mm, I'm doing what I want to do and it's completely unrecognizable to, to everyone I mean you can do it but like like that you know like there's there's something about it that has to be vaguely recognizable and mm -hmm. also like different it's, it's 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 recognizable but it's a different take on something that we all kind of this common idea about right and and if you do something that's totally outside of these common ideas like just completely outside of it be totally unrecognizable be totally just whatever um 
there, there's a, a romanticization about that. But that's not the way the world really works. But that's not how things actually work. And no one that you really celebrate or whatever was completely, like, totally outside of any kind of mix or mash of, like, some, some, some previous tradition. Um, it's, it, 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 the world doesn't really work that way. We have romanticization. We, we, have, we have an idea that it might. But in my experience, in my seeing things, um, I, I don't see it. Like, so I think there, there, there is a real question about that, about, like, about um, about doing something about you both that you're comfortable with and that you enjoy and that you feel like is really like this is this is like me. At the same time, like this is what will be understood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, what Matt said just sort of reminded me of something that Ken and I have talked about off and on over the past few years, and that is that, that as writers and as artists, one of the things we're trying to do is to um, make contact with other people. And we have this. We have this urge inside of us, this need, this calling to produce something which is either written or visual. Um, 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 but, but at the same time, we're trying to reach other people, make that, make those connections, and and that's part of what I hear Matt saying. He he has to, uh, he wants to do in his work is he's got this combination of things that will enable other people to have access to what he's thinking or what he's trying to do, but at the same time have enough that is unusual or, or his own or mysterious or whatever, that, that it's that blending um, that satisfies him as, as an artist, as an artist. And I, I, th I think that's probably common for all of us. I'm going to float an idea then, um, and this may be total nonsense or it might be right. Um, so you're saying things like uh, the craft are, is the skill, uh, the various skills you need to create art, but the art is your ability to communicate an idea and the actual communication of that idea. Uh, is that true or is that, uh, I mean, to what degree is that true? That's a better question. And what's the idea? What's the well, I mean, if your craft is your is, is your expression, right? Your ability to express yourself and the little tricks to trade and you have in your bag, right? And then your art is your ability to express it, right? To to to, where to be to to convey it, right? Then what will be the idea? Like, oh. that's your art, and that's your craft, and then, and then the, what would be your ideas would be your ideas, right? So it'd be like the, the yeah, it'd also be part of the stew. Like your ideas, your art, your craft would all be part of the the mix. Yeah, sort of the, the triumvirate of uh, what does it take to create a piece. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure you can separate the art from the idea. I mean, I think all of us have had the experience of, of you know, wandering around town or taking a shower or walking through a museum and something hits us like a lightning bolt and we think, ah, that's it. I need to write about that. I need to paint that. I need to show this. I need to share this. Whatever it is. So to me, it seems like the art and the idea are so closely bound together, you can't really think of them as two separate things. That's interesting. I, I think I think that that uh, I think you're absolutely right. Both all all three of you talking about the mix of of those things, um, and I see it kind of um, I see that expressed in this piece in particular because there is the art, and then there are the words, right? And and to me. Um, without the words, the, the panda means nothing. Without the panda, the words still kind of mean something. So what is the art, 
is the art the words. It's, it's like um, uh, you can't, you can separate the two in this piece. You can separate the two and it changes the meaning. In lots of art, one won't matter. You can, you can leave out the word wham and it's still just as important, you know, um, as a, a piece of work. Um, you know, why Brad, why? It doesn't really matter what it says. The fact is it's still a, an important piece of art. Um, and this is all, you know, pop art stuff again, because I, I view um, this kind of graffiti and these kinds of murals as a, as a, uh, a very logical extension of pop art. I mean, mm. not just in popular art, but the, the category pop art. Yeah. So, yeah like Einstein or someone like that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, that's, I, you know, that's the way I interpret it is through the, the eyes of pop art, um, much like Banksy or um, Lydia, what was her name? Anyway, some of the great graffiti artists of the, uh, the turn of this last century. Um, uh, so so the, the, when you walk by, John, when you walk by this piece and, it, and you look at it, does, is it meaningful because it says, when can we come out? Or is it meaningful because of the whole piece? Mm. For me, I, I think the, the whole piece was meaningful, even, uh, even though I'm not quite sure I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with it in the way that the artist wanted to interact with it. But there, there, there is meaning. You're right. With, without those words, it's, it's nothing. But the words are part of the piece, right? And if the words had been different, it would have been, you know, if the if the if the word had been maga, it would have been a completely different sort of reaction that I would have had, a different kind of meaning altogether. But it didn't, right? It said it said this this thing, uh, and it uh, it. Luckily, my my dog walks very slowly, and she she has to sniff every single thing for like a good half hour. So you know, I, I sat there staring at this this piece for for a very long time, um, as I was as she was uh, visiting her own kind of art. Um, and then we, uh, uh, that's so our, that's our criticism, actually. That's our... <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife and I sat there talking about it for a long time. So I, I think conversation is part of the art as well. But here's and, the interplay, though, between ideas and craft, right? So he, you know, earlier Mark said, "Why Brad? Why?" Right? So this is like a, a piece pop art. But let's say you were writing a story. If why Brad why appears in the beginning, you have one story. If why Brad why appears in the middle, you have a different story. If why Brad why ends at the end, it comes to the end of the story, you have a completely different story, right? So like, you know, idea comes to you, but then the juxtaposition of that idea with other ideas, right? That becomes like now you got now you now you got a piece. Now you got some now you got something really to play with, right? And so like that's where like you know these these ideas, these moments of inspiration, um, how it interplays, how it how it's not separate and distinct, but it interlocking with your craft. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's like, you know, and thinking about that really intentionally, like going about that, thinking about that intentionally uh, has been like kind of like a lot of the work I've been doing over the last few years as as trying to move these like kind of like little subconscious processes that just finally the puzzle comes together and everything feels right to actually know like, okay, so when I finish something and it feels right, what is actually in front of me, right? Now, how can I like move the production of this what I feel is quality work, right? Not just quality work, but quality work the way I make quality work. How do I move that production of, the, of that from my subconscious brain to my conscious brain, right? So that I can produce more work. It's quite simply, so I can produce more work. 
right? Um, so I have a, a, a deeper body of work. So that's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know, that, 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 that the interplay between the idea and, and the artistry um, um, is, uh, is something I'm like endlessly thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kate. Yeah, John, it just reminds me of, of something you said earlier on, and that was that, that you would walk by the, the, the painting one day and it wasn't there, and you walk by the next day and it was there. So that startling effect, um, uh, my guess is, probably put a story or several stories in your mind because that was that kind of catalysm, uh, that, that, that catalytic uh, effect, that, that that suddenness of the piece appearing um, uh, gave to you. And it, it strikes me that that's a wonderful example of the, the um, putting art and writing together mm-hmm. what it crisis is all about and and what for me is so much fun in looking at a piece of art you know you immediately want to know what the heck was he thinking what was he trying to do what did he have for breakfast that morning i mean that sort of thing that 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 gets your mind going that that um is i think a wonderful um effect that art can have on people yeah yeah um us filling in the so we become part of the art Right. Exactly. So exactly. Our interaction is just important. It's a very postmodern idea, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. That you've got artists and and viewer in some sort of conversation, and both are necessary for the completion of the piece. So, okay. So, having hung, having hung several exhibits, um, sometimes in the reception, I like to if it's crowded, I like to to get behind a couple or small group as they go from piece to piece and listen to what they say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting process to do that. I mean, you, as, as an artist, you get some in your mind when you start, probably doesn't end up the way you originally thought of it. There's some sort of change that happens in it. And what you get then is sort of a revelation as much to you as it is, it is to anybody else. And, um, but then to follow behind other people who are processing it and hear what grabs them, what they say about it. It's more than just market research. It's like getting into what's the truth of your own work that you don't see. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and you've done that. I'm sure when you give a reading and, Suddenly, people start riffing about what they just heard, and you start listening into what they're saying. And you, sometimes you sit back and say, "Holy crap! Is that yeah. what that was?" Yeah, it's like analyzes you, right? So it's yeah. So it's like the the muse or whatever takes over your prefrontal lobes, and 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 uh, you're along for the ride just as much as the person who buys it off the news rack. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I um, have a friend in Sequoia um, and he, um, he used to be in charge of the wayside exhibits. And one of the things he'd have his people do when they, they wrote is they'd put it up there and, um, and sit near it uh, for, you know, a couple hours and watch as people walk up and that's how you do your revision. They, they, they'll, they'll read it and then they'll start commenting. It's like, okay, that's what they're missing. Like, this is what I have to fix. Yeah. Um, and of course, that that's technical writing, but it's um, uh, same sort of sort of thing, right? Uh, you're looking into the self to see what what sort of biases uh, you're bringing that are interrupting 
the the either your understanding or the reader's understanding or the viewer's understanding. Well, yeah, and it's not just whether the readers get what you intended. Mm -hmm. It's it's about you getting what they see that you don't. Mm -hmm. It's about learning. It's a it's a a kind of uh, shock therapy almost. Well, yeah, it it feels like that. That's for sure. Um, I think it's it's more stretching the postmodern concept of collaboration Mm -hmm. between the the, uh, artist and the and the viewers. That it's it's not exactly clear what the work of art is, whether it's what the person had in mind before they started it, what they ended up putting out or what others have made of it. Uh-huh. Those are three different universes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I think we're, we're, we're beyond our, our typical half hour here. Um, and this is a great conversation. And I hope uh, everyone can join us uh, for our next conversation. So on uh, on uh, the, the platform, Inland Valley, what, what is the name of the platform, Mark? Inland Valley Art and Literature Show. Inland Valley Art and Literature Show, which I am so thrilled to be a part of. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. It's fun. Thanks, John. Thank you, John.